0: and welcome to this week's episode of The Courageous Mama. If you're someone who wants to be empowered, equipped and encouraged as a parent, you've come to the right place. This week, I'm introducing you to someone who's very special in my life. She's an interesting parent to interview for a number of reasons. She's a working mother of three in their mid to late 20s and as a nurse practitioner, she works in the NHS and specialises in elderly care. So it was fascinating to ask her how that has been for her and her team through this last difficult season. She's one of those people who always just knows what to do. Have you got someone like that in your life? But at the same time, she's brilliant fun, and in spite of a very serious job, she doesn't take herself too seriously at all. She's also my big sister. I wanted to catch her on the podcast because she's so often been my go-to and I think she's got so much to bring to the parenting space. It's really helpful to chat to people who have come through the little and the medium-sized years and can reflect on their experience with wisdom. How will we ever progress if we don't ask the people who've gone before? What should I look out for? What would you do differently? What do I do in this scenario? And I think she's just got bags of that. And I have a few people in mind that I'm going to invite to drop in for that very same reason. People with different stories and different backgrounds whom we can glean from. So today, meet Philippa Nash. I started by asking her, have you enjoyed being a mum?
1: My overarching feeling is I have loved it. I loved every moment of it different ways and different times and I'm really well aware that this isn't everyone's experience and some don't like infanthood, some don't like teenagers but my overarching
0: feeling is it's a privilege to be a mum mm. So you were the first to have kids among us and actually among any of the cousins So because we're from this massive family, I keep saying this on my podcast we're from a massive family and we really are but um, so where did you get your influence from? So I was the oldest of five, and I was
1: 17 when the youngest was born, from the same parents as most people usually ask. Yeah, they do, don't they? And um, I saw
0: Mum bringing up Luke. Yes, you know, of course. Yes, you know, absolutely. so bring up her fifth. Bringing up her fifth,
1: but also I think because we had cousins of at any one point, I think there was always a baby in the family. Mm. We babysat cousins. We were one of twenty-three cousins on that side. There was always a newborn, and so actually you just saw parenthood in action all the time. Mm. Um, You were allowed to. I don't think we came from a precious family, so you were allowed to pick up the baby. You know, at risk of dropping it. When Luke came along, when I was seventeen, and Mum had to go back into hospital, I was left with the baby. (laughs) Oh yes. So you were. Um, I had to learn how to do bottles. I took him out for walks in the pram.
0: <laughs> and the he babies. came to stay with you for the weekend at bars, didn't he? He, went he, went s- he did. in that tiny
1: room. Age two, Mum left him coming to Hackney, up to Hackney for a weekend. <laughs> rough end of Hackney. And he came to stay with me for the weekend. And he slept in my uniform drawer, made it into a little cot, a little <laughs> bed. <laughs> so and we sweet. went out and had such great fun. And she was very good at l- releasing children. She wasn't protective. Yeah. And so... I think having had cousins, and I think Luke being there, that I'd say it's experience. It's certainly no textbook. No. But having a first child didn't feel a strange thing at all.
0: Isn't that interesting? Because when I asked mum that, you know, were you prepared for motherhood? She said, no, not at all. Yeah. So your experience was entirely different. Maybe she ensured
1: that ours was. She probably did ensure ours was, and actually having a child when you're
0: 17 was very gracious <laughs> very of her kind. Child. to give give us a quick bit of experience Um, some practice Um, what have you what did you take into your parenting from your own parenting and what did you leave behind i think we were so privileged to
1: have had a mum that was an amazing mother and parents that were amazing parents so we came from a really good platform I think if I'd had a terrible childhood, I'd know all the things to cast out. Mm, mm. But there weren't any things to cast out. Actually, it was just things to build on from. And so actually, I think I probably modelled my parenting on the parenting that I received. Oh, that's really nice. Yeah. I suppose one of the subtle differences in what to be done differently is that I worked as a mum. Mm. Mum was lucky enough never to need to go out to work. And I didn't have that option so I've worked as a mum and that's probably one of the biggest differences and challenges and I think for um, probably all those parents that work you probably feel that you never do work well and you never do parenting well mm. and I was privileged enough to be able to work part-time when the children were young and I did I worked half-time but there is always that kind of I think by nature of parenting it comes with guilt attached to it you mm. always feel guilty that you haven't given them everything but however much time you gave a child you'd still feel guilty you haven't given them more we were having a conversation about something in the last six months and the kids spontaneously said to me oh it's when I went away with the girls they said I'm really pleased you worked mum and that was you know it undid a massive amount of oh
0: How interesting was I that was quite f- healing
1: for you well, it was, because up to that point, I'd kind of always felt slightly guilty that I'd had to work mm. and things. And they said, no, we loved it that we'd go and say my mum's a nurse or that you had a job, that you had your own life. Mm. We really liked that.
0: Oh, I, that's so nice. Interesting. To hear. And speaking of work, I mean, being a nurse at this point in time is historical in its way, isn't it? How have you found it emotionally in this COVID season?
1: Um... It's probably quite good that you're asking me at this stage when we have hopefully the end of a final lockdown in place. I would say that it has been a most unprecedented time in my career and the career of all my colleagues. At the beginning of the pandemic, you had the news giving you an update every five minutes of what's going on around the world. You know, Italian nurses crying in their cars. And you'd watch that on the 10 o'clock news, knowing that you had to go into work the next day. And that was really, really hard. And that was quite traumatic. And I'd say, at that point, I switched off the news because I didn't have an option not to go in. And yet the sensationalism of the television, and I'm not saying it was wrong sensationalism, made it quite fearful. The other thing that, of all the people I've ever cared for and looked after, I've never gone into work wondering whether I'll catch it too. And in those early days, you have to remember, we didn't really know what it would look like for me, for you, for each of us. Everybody's story was so different. And we probably all know of random people that got really unwell and then the odd, very old person that sailed through it. So you didn't have any confidence in what your story would be like if you caught it. And that was really quite hard, massively emotionally draining to wonder what this is going to look like. Will I bring it home? Will I bring it home to the family as well? That's a big responsibility. Mm. So um, it doesn't feel quite so much like that now. And I've never gone into a vaccination with such bounce in my step, (laughs) (laughs) excited to be vaccinated and kind of at the beginning I think well, I'm two hours in now so I've got a few more antibodies on the go and I you know three days in there's a few more antibodies on the go and that's felt a real sense of relief when I get my second vaccine next week so I'd have to say it's been emotionally a really difficult time and I think it's probably a moment in our history for us in our career
0: and explain what your role is at the hospital
1: So my role at the hospital is that I'm a nurse practitioner and I work in elderly care. And it's about, the aim is to pick up um, older people that come into ED to give them a specific care and early treatment so that they're not, so that they can get the appropriate treatment in the appropriate time in the appropriate way. In the same way that if you go into hospital that children will be scooped off into a different pathway we're scooping the elderly off into a different pathway because they are vulnerable it is confusing, it is disorientating
0: And you've done elderly care for years, haven't you? So it's very much your patch
1: I love elderly care Absolutely love elderly care and, you know, if I have a strap line that I've learned from them it's to be confused with confidence (laughs) (laughs) They... Impart so much wisdom, and if you've got the time to listen, there's so much to learn.
0: Oh, well said. And you work in a team. Have you found that different people on your team have handled it differently, or has everybody had their ups and downs?
1: I think, probably, like experiences that you'll have had, that different people can bring a different level of stress to an environment. So you can be on with somebody and feel quite calm. You can be on with somebody else and your anxiety levels will rise because you realize that they're more anxious. And it's interesting, isn't it, how you your kind of stress levels alter according to the environment around you. Mm. And the other thing that I think we've all had to learn is everybody's approach to this is different and everybody's attitude to risk is different. So the fact that they are more anxious isn't wrong. It is them. It has been really hard because the majority of us have caught COVID. I haven't. Maybe I've not worked hard enough or (laughs) something like that.
0: Um, I mean, do you definitely
1: know you haven't? I've got no antibodies. I can't pinpoint anything. So I'd be really surprised. So, you know, that's also quite tough that in the early stages, it was like a set of dominoes. One went down. There's that one picked up. The next one went down. And some were quite ill with it. Some are still off sick with it. Yeah, It's just tough. Yeah. <laughs> it's tough.
0: You, you're at the RUH, aren't you, in, in Bath? And your ex-CEO came back and did some encouragements, didn't he, in the mornings when you had the first lockdown? So
1: we had... He was due to retire, actually, Easter last year. And he, bless him, stayed on through to the summer, I think it was. He stayed on an extra three months. And we had daily updates, which was absolutely brilliant and we still do actually get a video update a daily brief of what's going on and that was really useful to know how many patients we got in the hospital with covid how many had gone home with covid something a little bit you know take us to the stock room or it take us to something else and just the kind of five minute daily brief was probably the only news bulletin I ended up watching at the end of the
0: day it was very cohesive to do that did that give you all a better sense of family and that we're all in this together I think so for me personally I'd
1: say so other people might have a different perspective on it and actually now like anything we've been having these daily briefs for a year and they're almost you know you don't tune into them in the same way Mm. because it's they're established now but at the beginning I think people everybody tuned into them and I have to say the public were incredibly generous to us I think there was some bikes delivered the local bakery that had leftover bread would bring bread in the public were amazing and that was really encouraging yeah it was it was a real sense of encouragement. I think the 1% pay rise was it would have been less rude to have not given us a pay rise.
0: Really? Yeah.
1: I think that's gone down hard. And it all goes back to some kind of pre-agreed deal that we had kind of a few years ago that that's the pay rise increment. But actually nothing else pre-covid has carried on through covid. Yes. You know yes. you can't you know if life had it's gone on it's been a changemaker for other things. It absolutely has, yeah. you know. Yeah. Who knew what furlough was? two years ago, you wouldn't have known what the word was. No,
0: no. So, anyway, that's no, no, a digression. No, not political, but that's your experience, and that's how you feel about yeah. that. Yeah. So, going back to parenting, I guess I'd love to ask you, what do you think you did well?
1: Whoa. Well, I'd probably be able to much more easily give you a list of the things
0: that I probably didn't do well. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But, what didn't you do? Uh, what would you do differently? I suppose.
1: What would I do differently? I think I wish I had given each one more time. I wish at the end of the day, I hadn't been quite so hurried to finish that bedtime story so I could get downstairs. And now you look back and think I should have just stayed there and enjoyed the moment. But you're hungry or you're tired or you know you've got six loads of washing to do before the next morning and you just need to get that story finished and you skip a few pages and they might not notice. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps I'm the only mum that's done that.
0: Um, Definitely I've done that.
1: So you wish that you could seize the moment more and not have a a second agenda going on behind you thinking none of the school uniforms wash for tomorrow. Um, I think that I had three children... uh, reasonably tight years um Alex was four by the time Natalie was born so three children within four years and I'd say for the most part that's been brilliant because they've all been in the same kind of place in life you know toddlers young children teenagers
0: that's been good in that Hmm, respect Sort of moving crew
1: a moving crew the probably the disadvantage to that is perhaps you didn't pick them out in the same way you weren't in an individual place with one, you kind of did have more of a crew mentality. I'm blessed with lots of energy, so I could spend all day with them, put them into bed, do 600 jobs at night, decorate a bedroom, and then get up the next
0: morning. Yeah, I don't know anyone who has your capacity for that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, you know, yeah. that was my strong point, You're really. Yeah, yes. Yeah. So yeah. you
0: would have spent more time in among those, you had a loss as well, didn't you?
1: I lost between, sec- between Ella and Natalie. Um, was that hard? For where I am now, of course it was at the time, but I I would never have had Natalie, so it, to me it's not a loss. Right. I, I know that's not everybody's way of
0: coping with no, it. No, but I'm asking yours, and that's a and fair And
1: once she came out, I just think I'd have never had you. Right, so but, if you hadn't had another...
0: Oh, that would have been... I'd have been left in yeah. that place of pain. I ended on a loss. It's, it, yeah, you don't ever get to resolve it, do you? You don't
1: get to resolve it. And yeah. I just think, what a joy. They're
0: all such a joy. They are. So you can remember what you would have done differently. That. What do you feel pleased about? Um, I think because
1: I was 17 when Luke was born. Um, so I had kind of quite good experience experience of kind of seeing young babies and things that i wasn't over precious i think i look at today's mum this is a generalization it's not true of all parents and you know they can be so precious with my first child you know have you washed your hands six times and have you had a temperature in the last week before you start to hold the baby you knew from experience that children are quite robust <laughs> so i don't think i was precious i don't think i wrapped them up in cotton wool i think that Mum always said that if you bring children up for independence and they are independent, you've achieved your parenting. You know, you're not bringing them up to kind of win a scholarship. You're bringing them up for independence. And so I think I probably wore that mantra and let them try things and fail. And I can remember one day coming back from work to finding Alex and Ella in the kitchen. And I still got a picture, neither with any clothes on because it was summer (laughs) and they had decided to make me a birthday cake. Well, <laughs> goodness knows where Duncan was at this time point. Probably happily in his own agenda, watching watching sport. Watching sport, I expect. <laughs> Ella, ever practical, knew how to turn the gadgets on. <laughs> and I came back to two children on a stool, cake mixture everywhere. Uh, bless them, they'd got it pretty good, I have to say, yes. as well as all around their mouth, absolutely chuffed to pieces that they were making me a birthday cake. Oh, no. Probably had a bit of mud in it. So I think I was good at letting them go and letting them fail. Right, talk about that. I think it's very easy. We don't want our children to hurt. We don't want our children to feel hurt. And it's very easy to protect them so that they don't fail. And whilst I say I'm good at doing it, I also failed at doing it. You know, there are times that you scoop them up and you pick them up. But we learn far more from failure than we do from our successes and I always felt I'd rather they failed under our roof than fail when they get into the big wide world and they don't have a coping strategy and what was quite interesting I've got three children and the first was academically very able and so he didn't ever know what learning was all about in junior school and so when he hit a problem in secondary school he didn't know how to deal with it because he'd never had to overcome a problem. Mm. And whereas the younger two are very able academically, but they had to find strategies at a much younger age. And so my motto would always be, fail under our roof. And I'd say that, you know, as teenagers, they've done some amusing things or not so amusing things. And um, we've always hoped that we'd be open-minded enough to let them fail under our roof and I think kind of I don't know if you've had this experience of when they kind of dibble and dabble with alcohol there are those children that can't go back to their parents because they will be annihilated and bollocked full getting drunk mm. and so they'll come and stay at your house because they can't possibly go back <laughs> to their <laughs> own parents the and on the time that Ella went out for her 16th birthday and her friends phoned us up 45 minutes later to say she'd had too much to drink
0: (laughs) she lasted (laughs) two put
1: screaming. they knew they could phone us up and we went and picked her up and brought her home and no one was more gutted than ella than missing her birthday party (laughs) so it must have been her 17th actually she was at sixth form but you know i was ever we was really grateful that actually phoning us up to tell us that she's had too much to drink and she needs to come home (laughs) was a fine thing to do and that we laughed then and we laugh now as we have pictures of her with a mascara hanging down her face and things like that (laughs) feeling really rotten and really cross that she's missed her own birthday party so fail under her own roof is something that I'd really encourage failure is a fact of life and I think you know you need to develop muscles to cope with failure
0: you do don't you because otherwise you just end up with shame or I am not acceptable because I can't reach that benchmark or achieve that and
1: and i I think i've I've seen it a couple of times I work with junior doctors who are obviously very academically able who have had perhaps privileged lifestyles, and medicine is uncertain, it has uncertainty, it's the certainty of uncertainty, and actually, having to make a decision because you might make the wrong decision, they're just floundered
0: by it. They can't do it because you've got to take risk, yeah. Do you find yourself bringing your parenting skills to your work? Oh, because you have a lot of junior doctors come through, don't you? All the time. Yeah, <laughs> your cohorts. <laughs> yeah, probably better at that than I am at medicine.
1: <laughs>
0: um, but yeah, no, that's a privilege. So you, you've pointed out some things that you wish you'd done better, and things that you think you might have, you might be pleased with. I happen to know what your children think. Oh dear. Shall we take a look? (laughs) Could have done better. Room for improvement. Okay. No limit on life. She let us fly. Releasing, trusting, cheeky, chilled, practical, yes. Hospitable and welcoming. Reliable, organised. Oh yes, Philip got the organised gene don't know what happened to the rest of us. But do you know I'd have the baked beans all lined up with their labels looking forward if I had a choice? I know you would, yes. Not a not high, uh, high value on my list. <laughs> <laughs> Open-minded, calm, never shouting, easygoing, and always open to friends and family. Always had a cake on the table, flexible and can juggle many things. Nothing is too much for her. So do, you, do, do any of those resonate?
1: I think... Um my children have been very, very gracious <laughs> <laughs> to give me that as a school report. I might stop there and dip out at this stage.
0: Um,
1: but you do let them
0: fly. That's what you're talking about in the whole kind of not being precious, allowing them to fail, letting them fly. That That is something that's in you, isn't it? I think, yes,
1: it's the way that we were brought up. I think, you know, we tootled off for the day so long as we we're back for supper at six. We could do anything in between. And we did at the times, <laughs> and then they always been very, very generous in their com comments. I think the other thing that comes about is calm. they'd always say i'd be calm and actually i'm I'm far more of a warrior than my husband is by by far, but I think because in the hospital there is crisis that I can be calm, so if there was a problem, the kids would always phone me and say mum we don't know what to do here you know we're this, 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 this you know and I could be calm because actually nobody's life was on the line so in my eyes or in my mind there's time to think and time to react and so but there I,
0: are times when actually you can be calm but not feel calm and that's an art isn't it
1: definitely an art it's confused with
0: confidence art <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you are yeah, get that, to
1: that age yes the cheekiness you know they'd still say mum you know are they they, they'd probably like it in hindsight but not at the time oh, yes yes. Um, and I like a practical joke. there is um, there is I probably shouldn't say this story but but Natalie, the youngest was forever wanting to grow up to be the, like, the oldest you know she was she was always in a hurry to grow up Natalie, you know she was 14 at four. and I can remember one Christmas Ella, who's Mrs. organized had saved out her pocket my mummy. I'd like to go and buy some Christmas presents. lovely I think to myself. And so we tootle off and have that one-on-one time. We start in Starbucks. There's only a couple of coffee shops in this, you know, taking us back 20 years. Yes,
0: that was it. Huh?
1: And she has a hot chocolate with the whizzy cream and the flake. And we have a lovely thing. We write a shopping list of who, you know, she'd like to get presents for. And we go around and we practically buy all the presents. And we come home and it's a great time. We get in the door. Mummy, I want to go. Where do you want <laughs> to go, Natalie? Well, I want to go where Ella went. Well, what did Ella? Where did Ella go? I don't know, but I want to do what Ella did. So, OK, all right, Natalie. So the next weekend, you know, Natalie, we going to town. She wants to do whatever Ella did. So what do you want to do? Well, what did Ella do to start with? Well, we went for a hot chocolate. Can we start with a hot chocolate? OK. And we write out her present list. Well, she's got a couple of teachers she'd like to get presents for. She was four, actually. She was in reception. So we then go down the road to one of those kind of pop-up Christmas shops. And um, she decides she wants to buy them pants for some reason or other. <laughs> And I think probably because it's Christmassy and it's sparkly and things, and so she um, she finds a lacy red thong and says, "Oh, I think my teacher would like this." And I said, "Oh, that's nice. Now that's about a pound fifty or something." And it's. You know, that's costly at the amount of material it was. And so it gets to that day on the last day of term when the teachers get their Christmas presents. There's a (laughs) a box of chocolates and a box of biscuits and a bunch of flowers. And then Natalie goes up with hers with great gusto because she has absolutely no idea what she's bought her other than she thinks she's bought something quite pretty and red. And so the teacher opens up, oh, Natalie, (laughs) that's that's interesting, yes. Did your mummy help you choose these? Yes, she says with great gusto. And then she says... They are lovely, Natalie, as you would to a child. You wouldn't <laughs> so want to upset them. And said, I think the headmaster would like to see those because that's a really special oh. present. Please just punch. Plan- she goes along with her best no, friend. You couldn't do that now. <laughs> to the headmaster. <laughs> <laughs> and shows you know she's chuffed as ever with this she had no idea till about a year ago she said i can't believe you did that mum so there's the cheeky bit coming out so don't don't dare me on because i might do it yes don't ever dare you yes oh, that's so <laughs> and we've got a few of those My <laughs> hey,
0: gosh i don't think you could do that now no there's a lot of things you can't do oh, now no, that's yeah. so true but, oh that's hysterical so would you like to know what they would like you to have done differently are you ready? I am very ready. So, pocket money a bit scarce there, Fee. Yes, well, in our <laughs> generosity,
1: <laughs> what was it? Ten p for every year of their age.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah,
1: no, cotton. Oh gosh, it, you can't buy many red pants. <laughs> for that sort of money. Can you? I might have <laughs> subbed that one. <laughs> yes, I was told that our pocket money giving wasn't wasn't that generous, no, and no, a result no. of which, they felt. That they needed to go out
0: and get jobs quite early. They did, didn't they? Another way you were a bit tight, no sick days. Ah, that's inherent. That's inherent <laughs> that's parenting. Um, Bring me a lung and you can have the morning off. <laughs> yeah.
1: We had to be dying before yes. they had sick days. And, you know, on many occasions you'd say, you know... Don't tell the teacher you were sick last night, which
0: again you can't do now. Can no, you? absolutely You wouldn't you dare. Do you
1: wouldn't dare, do you know. And only in the last year, Natalie phoned up and said, "Mum," she said, "and before you said, I've had a good night's sleep, I've eaten properly, and I've I wasn't been to drunk. bed early." <laughs> and so, and but that she had an issue, you know, kind of something was not right with her, kind of thing. I said, "Well, I don't know. My medicine runs out at that point." <laughs> I'm stumped. (laughs) So perhaps I was a bit harsh, but um, I I don't know if it killed them, really. I think we've both, Duncan and I, have really tried to be where the children are. Ella took up kayaking. It's her Duke of Edinburgh sports thing. And so we both did it together. And, you know, Duncan, who absolutely loves football, but Ella was a very good netballer. He got so into netball and they went off to see the netball nationals together and things like that. We've tried to be where our children are. Um, so you can be in that place you know you are a parent but there are times that you can come alongside them and doing something new together like kayaking was a great opportunity just come alongside them you're not better than them you haven't got any wisdom to offer them you're just learning together Mm. and probably slower than them (laughs) Mm.
0: and yes and that's they do say that's good for morale isn't it when your children can teach you something
1: yes uh, just you know um, have a go this way mum constantly teaching me things at the moment when it comes to technology yes but, you know that's where their world yes. is
0: We're the migrants aren't we so out of three children did you find them as easy as each other no it wasn't all straightforward and I don't think parenting is straightforward
1: for anybody but I'd probably have to say one child was harder than the others and although they would not look at it like this because you can only see life through your own eyes they definitely were more challenging this particular one. Yes. And they probably caused us more anxiety. And I suppose the thing that we learn in the challenging times is a child's mantra is probably divide and conquer. If a child can separate mum and dad, they have won. So, and it, you know, and we've all probably had experiences of mum, dad says it's okay <laughs> to go into town. Is it okay if I go into town? You think, "Oh, I wouldn't have said yes but did dad say yes yes he said yes you know yeah. and then they go into town you say why did you say yes to going to town oh, I didn't say yes to going into town they said that you'd said yes to going <laughs> yes. into town I, think got up in that <laughs> I didn't say yes to going into town so I think divide and conquer and I think that's something actually we were really good at we came together on things we didn't see it from the same perspective always and that was also useful But we came together on it so that child couldn't separate us and i think that's really important um i think one of the challenges and i i see it in today's children that have too much power is that i was more fearful of making bold decisions with the tricky child because you're more fearful of the repercussions you're not necessarily sure you've got the energy to deal with the battle that comes with making a, a bold decision. So you just think, is, can I do this? Is it right? Because you feel the relationship's at stake, don't you? The relationship's always, always at stake. And or it feels like it is. It it yeah. feels like it is, you're right. And you're wanting to maintain that relationship and it is just much harder to be bold and you sometimes feel like you're in the passenger seat and they're driving it. Not that I think it's useful as a parent to always be in the driving seat because you want your children to grow and to flourish and you want them to to be behind the steering wheel at times. But I felt that the thing about being a parent is it's important to know when it's your turn to be in the driving seat and when it's your time to get in the passenger seat. And sometimes I think because they were more challenging you felt, I think I'm in the passenger seat here. Mm, And I think I've lost ground. Yeah, I've lost ground. How would I deal with that differently? I just don't know. We're all complex, and this child was probably more complex than others in some respects, and more straightforward in other respects. I think what the siblings would say of that child is they very much were the barometer. And I think that I don't know if you've got a child that sets the barometer. If they come in and they're in a happy mood, everyone's okay. If they come in and they're foul, everyone knows about it. Mm. And, you know, I think that there's probably always a child that perhaps is more of a barometer setter. And it's really difficult because the others then are in that mood place and it seems slightly unfair sometimes when they're in that mood place. I think what we don't notice... When we're parenting, is how much we adapt and protect to manage the challenges. And it's only when we're taken out of context that you see the structures that you didn't even know you had in place. So I think one of the structures that we put into place quite well was um, on social engagement because they can look completely disinterested. And so we said, you know, if you don't want to look at their eyes, because it feels quite intimidating when you look at somebody's eyes, they're kind of looking at you, look at their nose. And that was a really good mm. cue, to be able to look like you're interested in somebody, and nobody would really know whether you're looking at a nose or eyes. Um, that was useful. What we probably hadn't realised is that we're kind of prepared for things that were new. Um, and I can remember going on holiday one year and we obviously hadn't we'd talked about the destination but we probably hadn't talked enough about the journey and we get to the airport and we're busy doing whatever we're doing looking up at the board for the flight or etc etc and suddenly notice that um the child is on the baggage carousel about (laughs) to go out of the flaps (laughs) and you just think oh you know Missed that one, didn't yeah. think about that, have not yeah. prepared for that. You know, and you can imagine what the airport staff are like, you know,
0: <laughs> whose child
1: is that? Not mine, <laughs> not
0: mine, we are not that one. <laughs> so to reassure parents who are maybe in that place where they're being stretched beyond belief, you are in great relationship with all your children, aren't you?
1: Got absolutely delightful relationship. I'd call them my best friends as well. And I just
0: love being in their company, love their humor. And now I'm going to ask you, what's the most courageous thing you've done?
1: And I'd have to say marrying
0: Duncan. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's unpack that a bit. (laughs) Well, I think marriage
1: is incredibly courageous. There is courageous things that you can choose to do. I might choose a bungee jump. But there's courageous things that you've gone through life and you've been courageous. And I think actually marriage is really courageous. Because it's so long? Because it's so long. And if your attitude to it is that you're in it, whatever... It's mm. massively courageous. And the reason I think it's courageous is that we were chalk and cheese, really. In every way. In every way. Mm. But I think that's our strength.
0: Mm. Mm. Um, that what we did
1: sense. have in common was a sense of humour, was a sense of outdoorishness, was all our hobbies were in common, but our whole background wasn't. But you uh, had shared values. Very much shared values, coming from different perspectives. Mm. And I think actually, it was the most courageous thing I've done, but it's really the, it's the best thing that I've
0: ever done and he is absolutely gorgeous. He is my
1: rock. <laughs> he is everything I need. He is my nightmare and he is my best friend <laughs> and my best He's companion. An <laughs> and he is an adventure that I'll never stop living. Yes. And so one of the things that I would say if you're privileged enough to be in a parenting as a couple is and I I do think that I see this more in younger parents than I than in ours, is that the child can become the centre of the marriage. I'd say that that's what I sometimes do see. And actually, the greatest gift you can give a child is to show them that you love their father, or to show them that the father, that you love their mother. That's the greatest gift mm. you can give a child. And so actually, don't forget to demonstrate that love. And one of the things that our kids have really valued is we used to have date night on a Friday. And it's called, it was a night out in, because you couldn't afford to go out. So it worked. It was a win-win situation. Friday night, they could choose their own supper. Well, that was heaven to them. And it'd be something massively complicated, like a pizza or fish and chips. You know, that's all. And they didn't get that on a, generally, on a day-to-day basis. So is it choose your own supper night tonight? Yes, it is. Win for them. And then Duncan and I would sit and order a curry, and we'd have it in the kitchen. They knew on that night that they couldn't come into the kitchen without knocking, they were set up with a good film next door and actually I think that demonstrated to them that our time was important mm. and they reflect back on that and say I loved your date nights it gave them security Isn't that sweet Do they say that yes oh that's lovely they absolutely loved that and I think it because it gave them security that we loved each other mm. and when separations are happening all over the place it rocks their own foundation of will my parents separate will they be the next one on the line?"
0: Um, and, of course, there are people out there listening to this who don't have that privilege, as they, you say.
1: Absolutely. I'm well aware that the ship sailed for some, or it was never in. But for those that have, or that those that go into new relationships, just demonstrate your love for each other. Your child is not the centre of your universe. They will consume every inch of space that you give them and still want more. And how much of it is healthy? So it is good to have your own life.
0: Great little gems there from someone who can look back over nearly 30 years of parenting. She's high energy, high capacity, yet reflective and self effacing too. I love that courageous note of allowing our children to fail and learn coping strategies. Demonstrating our love for each other as parents, I would say that's a note of caution to really hear. It's so tempting to make our children the centre of our worlds but it isn't where they flourish most. And I loved her honesty about the challenges. Do you have a child in your family who sets the atmospheric pressure? I find myself saying that one of our children grew us more than the others did, and that's been their experience too. So I'm glad she went ahead of me and was at the end of the phone for me in many of my bemused moments. I'm grateful to have her in my life, and I'm grateful that she hopped on today. And I hope you found something in there to encourage you today on your parenting journey. Don't miss the opportunity to pick up your copy of Parenting for Life. Pop to thecourageousmama.com or use the link below where you'll find your listeners discount a big chunk off the Amazon price. And if you feel you're in a place where you could do with some parental support, I'm always happy to have a chat. Or you can book yourself an appointment where we can find some good strategies to get you through the challenging parts of family life. Pop to the link below and the email's there too. And you can also follow me at The Courageous Mama on Instagram. And I'll see you next week.